0: I don't know if I'll leave the fist pumps in for the video, but hello, you're listening to Don't Listen. I guess I'm kind of leaving it in now. Hello, you're listening to Don't Listen to this podcast all about 1,000 albums to listen to before you die, or allegedly should. I I do like to add that addendum as it is isn't on the book, and you know, probably should be. Um, I'm Ewan Gledo, I'm a journalist and a writer and a podcaster as well. I think my neighbor's dog just barked, I forgot to close my window, but that's my neighbor's dog, that's me. Um, am joined as ever by a fantastic guest. Hello, Carson Tamar. How are you? Hello. Hello,
1: I am doing fantastic today. Excited to talk about some Lana Del Rey. I sadly do not have a neighbor dog to bark for my intro, but that is okay. I am here and I'm excited.
0: We had, our old neighbors had a dog and they moved out and our new neighbors had a dog. So I'm kind of, I've never had a dog myself, but we're just mm. followed perpetually by like dogs. So see, I never had to do
1: dogs. I have a snake, but they don't really make a lot of noise. Oh. So
0: Do they not like what's what's the word for it? Hiss? Hiss, that's the one. I was gonna say sliver, My... sliver.
1: <laughs> Mine doesn't really hiss, no. Um I guess it probably could physically. I don't know. It I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Haven't asked. Have an ass
0: You'll just have to stare at it until it's right. <laughs> um yeah, it's a it's a strange one, this one. Um first of all. What have you been listening to recently? Um, You know,
1: I have been getting really into um, some like more EDM remixes and stuff. Not how that feels about here, but the Chromatica album, which is the remixes for Lady Gaga's Chromatica. Yes. I've really been vibing to that recently. Um,
0: Chromatica is great, and the remixes are just so much fun. It's fantastic. It's a lovely double bill. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic choice. And it leads nicely into Lana <laughs> Del Rey, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, thank you very much for picking an album that isn't from the 20th century. We've had none of these yet. Wow. Apart from Arctic Monkeys. Um, but it's it's nice to talk about something that's very modern and I think very controversial. Yes. As, as far as these album entries go, especially when you realize this is the only Lana Del Rey album very on the odd. list. Very very odd, and I'm sure we'll explain why. Um, mainly because Robert Dimry thinks he's, you know, he's one of the cool kids and has a has an independent thought. No, um, key notes as ever. Chemtrails over the Country Club by Lana Del Rey, released 2021. Obviously, you know, one of her other better albums released before that. We'll we'll get to that bit. Um, Lana Del Rey is obviously the you know the lead on this, but then Jack Antonoff, who is a name that will crop up again and again. Is also present on this album, which has been described in as as far as genres go, singer songwriter, which feels pretty obvious, um, contemporary folk, Americana, and soft rock. It's about yeah, it's, you know, pigeonhole Lana Del Rey. Why don't you just go for it? Um, thankfully, because my book is outdated and the last album in it has pretty sure LCD Sound System's most recent album, um, my book doesn't have this entry, um, and I wasn't <laughs> to be quite honest. I saw that the E the, the, the pub of it was like $3.99 I thought that's that's too rich for my blood to be honest. So I've I've taken the liberty of writing my own entry. Um so I'll I'll just power through that and and, and we'll get to the, the the real the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is an okay album. <laughs> um there is not an insert for this album because I have an outdated book. I'm reading these sentences out, though, because I've written them down, and I'm too exhausted to freestyle something funny, stammer through a meandering series of connection between Jack Antonoff, Lord, Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey, which does bring us to Chemtrails of the Country Club, the collaboration between Antonoff and Del Rey, which does certainly show that they collaborated. They attempt to reveal their talents to one another once more, hoping for that Norman fucking Rockwell charm again, and working through similar moments of quality, but never concluding it formally. Del Rey also brought in Rick Knowles, Sorry, I almost said Nick Knowles, who is a daytime TV presenter in the UK, (laughs) who does like the home improvement type thing where he knocks down some wallpaper and paints it blue and goes, "We've done your house in an hour." What Um, a
1: unique collaboration, though! That would have (laughs) been.
0: Oh, that would have been wonderful. He he was like a a sudden heartthrob for like two years because he appeared on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and everybody just fell in love with him. I love that. Um, It was a lovely time and then people found out he had a Christmas album. It it was a really strange time to be English. It was like just before COVID and everybody was kind of losing it a bit. Sure. Mad. Um, But Rick Knowles is on one of these tracks, it doesn't specify who, Um, as well as collaborating on tracks with up and coming artists and listing the soon to be revered likes of Nicky Lane, Ways Blood and Day. Recording pieces before that Norman fucking Rockwell bombshell, and some of it afterwards, the back and forth of Antonoff's production and Ray's lyrical presence were brought to the forefront once more. Originally titled White Hot Forever, before changing its name to Chemtrails over the Country Club after record-pressing delays due to the COVID pandemic, Delray teased listeners with her Americana folk track towards the end of 2020. Released on March 19th, 2021, to acclaim from critics and admittedly softer responses from Rate Your Music users, Chemtrails over the Country Club has somehow wound up on this list and cements itself as the only representation of Lana Delray's work, is not the obvious choice, nor is it the interesting one. It is a choice that screams, I wish to be different. One of many choices where Robert Dimmery and Company show the right artist, but the wrong era of their music. A lot of process there. I still haven't processed it because I wrote it 45 minutes ago. Now, we'll fire on through because I'm very glad you brought this one up because this is one of those sort of new releases that skipped me by and my memories of it are from three hours ago. So what what are your memories with, by and large, Ken Trills over the country club, but also Lana Del Rey?
1: I mean, my Lana Del Rey story, it's a ta- it's a tale as old as time. I was in high school, uh, you know, discovering emotion, discovering maybe certain substances, let's say, that Lana would, you know, he- it, would, it would help out. And I was like, Lana Del Rey's amazing. Love her. Got into her big, you know, her big songs. Never really explored her too deeply, her discography. But no one does, I feel like. I feel like you get, like, no. you know, you get your national anthems. You get your, like off to the races, summertime sadness, and so then you're like, okay, well, I've done it. Um, I'm Alana Stan, but, like, you know, are we,
0: re- is anyone really Alana Stan? Who knows? So then... Someone told me they'd listened to Honeymoon once, and I was I kind that. of shocked. It's like, wow. Love brilliant. that. You've, you've scratched the surface. Brilliant.
1: Yeah. So that was that, and then the pandemic hits, we're in COVID and a year into COVID and Lana decides to release not one, but two albums. No one talks about how she released, like she was very open, like, Oh, I'm releasing this. And then I'm immediately releasing like a few months later. I feel like it was blue ba- uh, banisters, I believe it's called.
0: Blue Bannisters, Yes. So yeah. this
1: album really never even got like a moment to breathe. It was always kind of seen. I mean, she announced it before COVID, but then in its actual realization of what it was going to be, it always felt like just kind of a filler album. And in that sense, in listening to it, I don't think it's a bad album. I think there's some really banger songs on here, actually. But it never really comes through as having some big thesis. It never really comes through as being an iconic statement. It's very much so a collaboration, or a collection, rather, a curation of songs. All kind of with a vague theme of, like, Americana and nostalgia. But also, like, narratively, you know... Unlike a lot of pop icons, Lana Del Rey doesn't really have eras, I find, and a lot of pop culture, if you know, anyone listening doesn't really realize, a lot of artists will have eras to where they have unique iconography, a unique sound, maybe even a unique genre with, with each album. I was reading into the process of this, and there was a quote, I believe, by Apple Music at some point. And That said Lana Del Rey, rather than revolutionizing the future, likes to tweak the past. And there's a lot here about her past. There's a lot of references. There's even some songs that were meant to be on other albums in the past. And due to that, it just kind of feels like a vaguely connected, like, release of just music that Lana had. That never really shines, I think, in the way of a lot of her previous albums. Um, I think it's good. I mean, again, I think there's some really banger songs. But I don't know, it's just always felt to me like this was an album release that no one talked about didn't really have that much of an impact yet somehow ended up on this list so like who knows
0: i think that's the exact reason because you, you you beautifully put what happened with this album it is a collection of tracks before and after the kind of admittedly the biggest period of that norman fucking rockwell release which is an album i discovered kind of early on into being in lockdown and going i'm going to listen to lots of albums and that was a real highlight for me that <clears throat> sorry I've, I've i've had that <coughs> cold takeaway food <coughs> fuck me, Jesus um, yeah um, I listened to the Norman fucking Rockwell in uh, lockdown and I thought it was brilliant and I really enjoyed it, like it, it's one of those albums where it's like, it's in my playlist it's it, it's on, it's on a lot long journeys are made shorter by that music um, considering that Chemtrill's Over the Country Club was kind of like you put, it, th- that was perfect where it wasn't given room to breathe and it's a collection of songs I think for those reasons they've gone everybody's missed this one let's get it, get it on the list get it on the list and it's I understand the reasoning behind it because you can find really good beautiful tracks and there are a couple of brilliant tracks on here to say it's the best of a discography which is the statement they're making by saying there's one album of Lana Del Rey on this list that it's worth listening to and it's the one that gets overshadowed by Blue Banisters, this is not something that should be put in the book because you know it, it isn't her best offering of work I'd say there are some sloppier moments in here than I'd first thought but I just don't like Tulsa Jesus Freak but that's just me Um, there is quality in this album and it feels very disjointed it feels like you know it was recorded a bit I think it was 2015 to 2016 and then 2019 to 2020 and then like kind of towards the end of that is when they're getting ready to publish it that's what six years of kind of tinkering with something leaving it for a bit to do your best album and then coming back to it with that influence because the Antonov thing is the big key. And and we now live in a post Midnight's Taylor Swift world where we've heard what Antonov production actually is. Um to, to to go back over on his work, I mean, I don't really have any major opinions on him because I don't want to be hounded to death on Twitter. But at the same time I do think when it's reined in, when it's pulled back, he has a really good production style. He's got a real sense of where things should go. And you can hear that. He's on piano for a lot of these songs. On the flip side, something like the Taylor Swift album that released, I think it was last year, 2022. That was a bit of a mess, more because it's not a style that fits Taylor Swift's music. Even if it was, there's a lot of variance there that doesn't feel like it's connected. That's the exact problem. Came, came chills over the county club, country club, I don't really know what it's called. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nothing title for an album that kind of has no theme beyond, these are songs that are part of my discography. These are songs that are important to me. I didn't really have anywhere else to put them. Here you go. Um, and you mentioned as well, this is she's quite a prolific artist. She does a lot. She does a lot of work. Um, but at the same time, you know, Blue Balances and Chemtrails came out in twenty twenty one. For twenty twenty two, we had No Lana the rare music, and everybody went. It's been a while. Where's Lana? Where's all this new music coming from? And then, obviously, did you know there's a channel under Ocean Boulevards on its way at the time of recording? And and now we're just at square one again. She'll get another album out in spring. And then, you know, who knows after that? Um, it's a very mixed bag, and I suppose we should start with the opener, White Dress, which is amicable. And I think that's the word I'll use for a lot of this album. It's a very amicable start. It's a very sort of, you know, it doesn't make a... I think the key to Lana Del Rey's music is a lot of It's really powerful. Yeah, The statements, the message, or the idea behind it. She does a really good job of presenting all three of those at once. You know, I'm only going to use this because I listened to it today, but Pierce the Veil's new album, they have moments where the vocals are really strong. They have moments where the instrumentals are really strong. They never come together. They, they never match up. They, they're never both strong at the same time. And I think this is credit to Ant enough as well, because and Fucking Rockwell is a perfect example of this. Mm. The instrumentals, the production, the technical merits, on top of the vocal range that Lana Del Rey has on this album, is quite impressive. I think the notes on White Dress are quite high. I think that's an octave that I wasn't expecting. Uh, That threw me, but in a good way. It was, you know, what what did you think of that? It was, it's quite the opener.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually think this is one of my favorite (laughs) songs of the entire album, if I'm being honest. I think Mm. this is like a banger. I think like, we'll talk about, I guess like, overall thesis of the album later i think it's funny that this song which is one of the more memorable songs for me like kind of goes against i would say what the overall thesis of the album people claim is but like i think this is lana being rather direct compared to a lot of this album specifically reminiscing on her youth the nostalgia is there the call for simpler times Um, I think this is an album that plays somewhat well when you put into the context of the pandemic in that narrative. I think the song is like, I don't know, it's just like this is one of those that like, I feel like it comes together the most and has one of the more unique identities. You know, with someone like Lana, not to say that she doesn't have a range, I think this album is actually a beautiful capturing of really the range of her sound other than the meme of just, like, her doing whisper poetry. But it is a sound that eventually a lot of the time kind of falls into this generic, okay, that's Lana doing Lana. I think this is one that, like, stands out at least for me with a more unique identity to where I can appreciate it a little bit
0: more. Yeah. And it's in that identity I think especially on the front cover I could just be reading into this too much because let's, to, to, to put it into context I am fucking exhausted I am so tired I, I've slept like five and a half, six hours every day for the past two weeks and I've worked every day so I'm like at the end of what has been a really long cycle but tomorrow is like my last day of that and then I can sleep like a normal person again so I'm like unhinged to this point um for me chemtrails over the country club feels like a knockback at contemporaries in the genre it feels like she's now part of that club that country club that she's talking about and especially on the second track which i think is great i think that's one of the key highlights for this Is the title track this does feel like lana del rey going well i'm here now i've made my presence known with norman fucking rockwell i i i'm here to stick around anybody that's kind of sort of criticized her in the past or sort of weighed her down, because, you know, Lana Del Rey is an artist that has a lot of releases before Norman fucking Rockwell, you know. Born to Die is, you know, Born to Die feels like an outlier now. You know, Lana Del Rey, a.k.a. Lizzie Grant from 2010, is is there, certainly. Um But this feels like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, six albums into a cycle, she got Normal fucking Rockwell. Then she did, you know, Violet Bent Backwards Over the Grass, which I don't think anybody's heard. I don't think anybody ever listened to that. No... Um so, for me, it feels like, you know, uh, it, it reminds me of the Lady Gaga criticism from about a decade ago when she was criticized for what appeared at the time to be very strange. You know, haha, she's dressed up as meat, which in hindsight, very funny. But it felt like the same criticism was leveled at her, where it felt like, oh, this is just generic pop. This is terrible. And then it's reevaluated. And that realization can lead to some really creative processes. And for me, Kim Jules of the Country Club is like she's part of the club that is now seen as like the Lord, the Taylor Swift. The FKA Twigs, that that group that Antonov has connected all together. Mm. She's now part of that group, and now she's looking back and going, "What are you going to do about it?" I'm part of the country club. I'm part of that club. Sure, she's made it. I have no idea if that's correct. I have no idea if that's accurate.
1: Yeah, but I sometimes... don't think you're wrong. I just Mm -hmm. think it goes beyond that to a point. Because I think, like, when you get into the club, like, let's say with this, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like what Lana does is very different from everyone else. Where Lana chooses to take that success and then, like, go live in her own bubble. Which has popped up to plenty of controversies, right? Uh, You know, from her masking during COVID to dating a police officer. Like, (laughs) Lana Del Rey is someone who kind of iconically... Is like just consistently in some form of controversy, but she's still in that country club. And I think this album, to a point, and this is like, here's the dangerous thing about pop is like, I think it's really easy to assume everyone's a genius. And then you get people like Max Landis writing like entire website essays based on Carly Ray Jepson's discography saying it's all connected. So I think it's really easy to look at this album and say, like, oh, it's some grand statement on COVID and on Alana's life and how she's in the country club. And she doesn't care that there's chemtrails out there, but the chemtrails are out there and there's danger, but she's able to live in this bubble because of her status. And I don't know if that is in the album at all, really. But I think this is an album that's really easy to project onto at times, also due to some of its more random nature of being a collection of songs and say oh, it all has some grand meaning. And I don't know if Lana <laughs> is saying that even. I think that's something people are putting on her being this genius. I think she's just releasing music, to be honest. But, like, I don't know. I think that if you want to dive in... Like, I kind of get why this album would be on here. If you don't want to be, like, super popular and say Norman fucking Rockwell, which it should be Norman Rockwell, obviously, or any of her previous work, and you really want to, like, break down and act like there's some kind of, like, deeper level of genius working here, this is kind of the perfect album for it. The issue is just, like, is it reality? Or are we... You know, being Max Landis, as I like to say, yeah. right? Um, something shit you don't want to be.
0: <laughs> I until you just brought it up, I'd forgotten all about that Carly Jepson incident. Which is amazing that he's managed to survive after that to some degree. Um, that that was a mad, that that's like some sort of shit I write about pulp albums. And then put it on my blog, and go. It's all connected. Um, absolute nut. But um, yeah, I agree with the sense of. You know, th- this is an album that is, fundamentally, the- these are tracks that were recorded at different times and have really just broad-ranging meanings. You can tell, I'd say from Let Me Love You Like A Woman all the way down to Yours Are Mine. It's kind of just bits and pieces. Everything comes together nicely. It's really nicely produced. I don't think there's, like, an overarching theme that is on the album. I feel like the impact of the album is more important than what's on it. Um But that- that's, you know, that- that's not a bad thing because the tracks themselves are really good. I think breaking up slowly is fantastic. I think that's probably the the peak for me, because um, everybody loves a little sad cry after they watch the first Twilight film. And they like to pop breaking up slowly on, you know, it's good. Um, but that is one of the the feature tracks. That's Nikki Lane, and you know, I've since listening to, I think it was Waze, yeah, Way's Blood. I listened to the back end of the last year, and since then it's been incredible. You know, one of those artists where you listen to them, it's like right time to get all our records. Hearing them on this was kind of like, oh, great. It it felt like a wraparound for me. It felt really sort of, not personally, because I don't think I'm that amazingly connected to Lana Del Rey's music, Always Blood. I'm more of a sort of, I'm just going to keep listening to Jarvis Cocker's French album from the French Dispatch. But um, it felt like a really good sort of bridge. It felt like a really nice gap. And it it didn't feel like that would have been possible if these songs had come into fruition before Norman fucking Rockwell. Because there are parts of this where you're going to think that that might fit on Rockwell or that might fit on Blue Banisters. It's one of those albums where it's like it's just a smorgasbord of kind of quality. It's not a bad thing, but it it, it lacks the momentum that an album on this list should have because you know it it's, a, it's just a strange choice. There's no way around it. It's it's an odd choice for a a landmark album. If you if we look at oh, I think the recency bias is the most difficult one as well. You know this is an album that came out. Less than two years ago, and they're already claiming this needs to be on the list. I, I can think of maybe like two or three 2021 albums already that are like, maybe give it a couple years, but that's the issue with the other end of this list is that on, on the left hand side, if you go back to the 50s, it's all oh, well, this was influential, it was amazing when it actually sounds like absolute shit. And then on the other side, you've got this might sound really good. This is a, a more recent album from an already established artist, it's kind of a safe bet it could go either way. And people like us projecting our thoughts onto it, helping them along. But I do think as, as far as like what you expect from a Lana Del Rey album, as, as what you expect from her discography, it's all there. It feels very compact, but it doesn't feel compact. Do you think this is like an entry point album? Do you think this is something you can give to someone and say, oh, you can you could start here. You can get a good feel for her music, her sound and her values
1: really, to me, it feels almost like a best-of album. Like, you know, you have an artist who's had a long career, then they put it all together with maybe, like, one or two new songs. It really, like, just, in my opinion, doesn't come together as an album. I think it would be, if you want to just be introduced to the Lana Del Rey sound, this is a good album for that, but I don't think this is necessarily, like, I would say, hey, listen to this, and you'll understand the power or the potential of Lana Del Rey.
0: Yeah. I think as well. I mean, I was reading God Forbid Radio Music comments, which is genuinely like a cesspit. Terrible stuff. Quite scary. I got a lot of shit for reviewing Paramore's Seikumsar, which I thought was fine. Obviously, the Hive might have spoken. It's fantastic. Very well done. Well done, Paramore. Um, and somebody said that this album is like Lana on autopilot, which I I get. I understand that. But I do think that comes from sort of going back and forth between that style and it's it's like you said there that's exactly right where it's it doesn't feel like it comes together but we know the quality that this artist has so it's kind of just an enjoyable listen for people that are more experienced with the music but that 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 makes it sound like a gatekeeping, keeping a, a very easy album um it's you know it it's fine it, it's very hard to get like up in arms about it it's very hard to like feel anything for it, it it's it's a good album. Um, feels like singles with bits of boring stuff attached to it you know title track's good breaking up slowly's good there's not much else really i, I didn't really you know i think to be fair i probably should have listened to it the day before today but most of it i've already forgotten i, I don't really think this will be one where i'm like oh yeah I'll, I'll pop back onto that it's yeah it's a strange
1: one And that's how I feel also. Like, with albums, obviously, you have, like, oh, these are the two or three songs I really connect to, I really enjoy, I can point out. They're on my playlist, right, if you don't want to have the entire album. It's really hard for me even looking at the list, and I just listened to this, like, literally before we started recording, and to be like, oh, this is, you know, what is the difference between these two songs? Like, I don't know, it just, it really struggles to have identity, I guess, just in general. Like, I just, this is when I, like, I left it in what 2021 when it released yeah and like I don't know I just don't revisit it as an album again
0: (laughs) yeah it's I think especially when obviously I mean the big thing we kind of haven't spoken about is the Blue Bannisters release in the same year which is you know and and it's not that long of a time period between the two releases obviously Chemtrails came out in March Blue Bannisters was in October so you've got about Six months to establish this album as a summary album, or you're done for. It doesn't work because Blue Banisters, I think, is a a much better album. If if Norman Fucking Rockwell wasn't available, if that was already on the list, then Blue Banisters is probably like second best. Um, which probably is controversial, and I'm probably going to get sent Anthrax in the post or something. But that's okay. I'll die on that hill if it means defending Arcadia as a track. Um, but you you kind of look at the the offerings on both the albums, I mean, they're more or less not the same length. I think Blue Banner is about 10 more minutes, but those extra 10 minutes are stuff like Cherry Blossom, Wildflower, Wildfire, Sweet Carolina. There are really strong tracks on there that just kind of aren't on Chemtrails, to the point where I would say Chemtrails is take the best tracks, stick them on either end of another album and release the rest as like demos. You know, it's you're not missing like anything incredible. Of course, it's nice to get new music from an artist you really admire. At the same time, you know, go down the archival route that Pink Floyd are doing again because apparently we need three releases of Dark Side of the Moon in one year. Um, It just feels like I, I don't like calling albums a waste because they're not obviously Chemtrails is a good album. I just don't see the point of it as a concept on its own. I don't get the point of it which i hate is a criticism of art because there's always a point of art and there's a clear point of this as we've previously discussed if you look at it in the sense of representing an artist though how how can you say that a, an album that doesn't really have much to say for itself on its own legs yeah. can represent a whole artist It it's yeah one of the many foibles of the book
1: I also don't think Lana, like, I, here's the thing, no matter what you want to say about Lana, I'll say I don't think her team are stupid. They clearly are aware that this album's gonna release, and then they have Blue Bannisters the same year. There's songs on Blue Bannisters that Lana's been open about was going to be on this album, but they pushed it. I think this was just, they have a backlog of music you have two albums worth let's throw a couple beats bops on here but let's kind of get this out of the way and then we can have the big album i think that, like the team the album itself is aware that it is not trying to be the definitive album for that year for lana it's more of just we have to get this stuff out eventually um yeah. so i really like i don't know i i think even if you asked lana or her team pick an album i don't think this would be high on the list at all for what they would want to represent Lana on the list
0: and that brings us kind of back to the whole point is if you're representing an artist then why pick an album that is trying to be nothing brilliant but by picking it you are trying to stand out and say well there's real value to this album it's overlooked and it's like that's not really the point of this list it's the thousand one best albums not the thousand one interesting albums and there's very different you know it, it doesn't... It, as, as a line of argument, it doesn't make sense as a, oh god, we've got a real overhaul of tracks here that kind of fit in with the style that has come after or before Blue Bannisters get them out there. That makes sense. I have no issue with that, because it, it was a nice listen. I, I feel like the most overriding emotion I had the whole time I listened to this was, was quite nice. It's very pretty relaxing. It's mixed well. Antonov is... I think Antonov is a... <laughs> i don't know how many death threats i'll get for this one but i think Antonov is a very good presence on this album i think he's quite good not just as a producer for this but also as pianist um i do think he's probably one of the best parts of tulsa jesus freak um and he's just he's nicely incorporated i think the collaborations are incorporated nicely obviously you've got Way's blood but you've also got nicky lane and um the rick knowles track which is Yosemite, which I think it's the longest track on the album, or it might be the first track. I think "White Dress" and then Yosemite's the second longest one. It's just nicely put together. Wait,
1: what's the t- what's the song name? Yosemite. <laughs> Yosemite.
0: Oh, <laughs> I just thought it was Yosemite. Is that? It's, what is it's y- so
1: valid. Yosemite is a national park in California.
0: Oh, oh, you is that? Oh wow! Oh, like, yeah, a- no, I. I i know yosemite yeah. i just didn't know it was pronounced okay. <laughs> yosemite is that actually how they pronounce it yes <laughs> wow i'm not even joking i've been saying it for, that, for 23 valid. years
1: very valid i
0: mean you're not from
1: In, you're, it's okay
0: <laughs> what, what are you playing out over there it says yosemite that's mad.
1: <laughs> yosemite 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 that's fun I do. I do um, yearly road trips up to Yosemite, so I'll have to. I'll <laughs> drop that for the group the next
0: time. That's. <laughs> do you listen to Yosemite as you go up to? Yosemite? I did you this last used? year. Uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like even even without the title being re- referring to the California National Park, Lana Del Rey does really good kind of. <laughs> Really good music for traveling. I like. I don't know why. I just I enjoy my like. I I've got a lot of trips coming up in March. Mm. Um, I I know for a fact half of the time I'm on like a train or in the car, I'll, I'll have a bit of Lana on, and it's just oh, yeah. it's it's the equivalent for me of I, I hate to group musicians together, but I'm grouping them together on the sense that I kind of like the tone they take. They're very powerful messages, but a very easy listens at the same time. And I think that blend is so difficult to get right. So please don't take me putting the likes of like Phoebe Bridges and Lana Del Rey together as as Oh you're gonna get death threats. They're all the same. (laughs) They're not the same, they're very different, but the key that they have similar is that their easy listening values don't sort of impact what they're doing with the music itself. Yeah. I could happily listen to Punisher and not give it a second thought. I could also do the same with Punisher and really think about the context of it. The right. only other artists I can do that with are people like Bob Dylan, people like Nick Cave. This is, this is praise. This is not me saying, oh, well, you know what? Lana and Phoebe, it's all the same. And that's why they work so well for road trips,
1: is that they're very malleable. No matter what the emotion is, whether it's just a background noise while you're driving, or like we're going to be very reflective in this moment of the road trip. I just saw a TikTok that was like, oh, road tripping through the desert is incredible with Lana. I'm sure it is. Um, I just road tripped to Arizona, and it was incredible in the desert with Lana. Like, If your group can vibe with that, or if it's just yourself, you can vibe with that. I think it's stunning. I mean, it's the perfect road trip music.
0: I feel like there's very it's music like that though that is always kind of good for cementing memories and i don't mean to sound mm. very soppy but it, it it's the power of music isn't it and, and some of the best tracks will always be associated with the best of worst times you know it's it, it's one of those things There there's a pretty much like just waiting for that right moment of like you'll remember these songs to be related to this event sure you know, i remember elvis costello's music because it was kind of the the first gig I'd ever been to, but it was also the last one for about two years because COVID hit about a week after I'd seen him. He kind of just remembered people and places and kind of linked them yeah. together. Richard Hawley, for instance, the, the guitarist from Sheffield, always have a special place because I saw him at a cathedral uh, on a date at the time, and I got hmm. hammered. I had a <laughs> oh, bottle no. of wine before I went to the gig. I had another one afterwards. A delightful evening. And I remember getting really drunk and walking out and it was a brilliant experience and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview him. <laughs> and everyone was like, alright, okay. Three months later, I'm sat on the phone to him for a half hour talking to him about cathedrals. It's it's that. It's it's that like, oh, I'll always remember that song because it will relate to that incident. And it's... Lana Del Rey doesn't have any of that for me because it's kind of just travel music. I've not had the chance to listen to her in a, in a state of real contemplation or real kind of this is going to sort of bear witness to this part of my life and represent it, which you know, have you got any tracks that are like that?
1: I mean, for sure, I think that, like, specifically, because I'm someone who hangs out a lot with friends and I'm very, like, social, so, like, there's music that reminds me of, like, the eras, I guess. Like, I have songs that remind me of high school, remind me of the, you know, a party with friends or a road trip we did or something. Like, I have music that's not necessarily tied to specific moments or people, but rather just, like, eras in my life that I can really, like, go back to. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but, I don't know. It's, music is very powerful in that way, right? It's very in, in power. Or, yeah, it impactful. is.
0: And I think it's it's that impact and power. Maybe some. I, I hate giving the list credit, right? I really don't like it. Because for, I, th- I think one of the reasons I got into music journalism, as silly as it sounds, is I remember when we did that Roger Ebert podcast. And, and I said that when I started doing film journalism, I was like, I, I could do this better. I could do this better. I think there's an ego part of it that you've got to sort of agree with and then understand and then reject. For music, it was kind of like, I, I could do a better book than this. I can write better. Obviously, mm. in hindsight, I can't write better than that. can't even speak better than that. But w- again, it's when you've got music that you relate to a period. I knew for a fact that when I wanted to shift to music journalism from film journalism, and that's kind of the course I've stayed, I was sat in the back of my mate's car and I'd just listened to a Yard Act album which was just yeah. on the radio at the time. It was like that's that's it, that's there, and it just kind of like something shifts, something clicks together. Yeah. And and for for chemtrails to do that, I imagine the person that added it to the list, it did that for them. I think yeah. that's the only excuse. I think that's yeah. We'll we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, we will also boot it off of the list. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Because I do not care for their memories. I do not care for their hopes and their dreams. I care for the fact that. Norman fucking Rockwell is not on the list. I don't get that. Like, as a sort of... I'll tell you what, I'm going to check. Hang on. It might be.
1: Watch it be on there.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to re-record this half hour. <laughs> no, we we really won't. I'm very tired. What year was it? 2017. Um... Uh, there's Lord check that one out while i right the, uh, <laughs> so there you go that's a plug <laughs> good podcast it is not on here no rep that's mad how can you have oh, i don't get it anyway so we've confirmed that that's not on but we'll put it on instead brilliant so we've done the replacement album do you want to do the best yes. track and then we'll uh, wrap it up we'll plug our socials
1: <laughs> for me the best track is probably chemtrails over the county club or country yeah. club i think the title track here is fantastic
0: I think it was um because that was a single, wasn't it? That was like the
1: yes. Was the it wasn't the lead single, but it was a single. Yes, the lead single was "Let Me Love You Like a Woman."
0: Yes, it was. Yeah, because that was the October one, and then Chills was January the next year,
1: January eleventh. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, oh, sorry, I've just clocked onto a review, um, where somebody has said that it is not any more substantive noting how Delray sways and lilts through the delicate rhythm eventually finding a way toward a glitchy bridge now <laughs> i've written enough single reviews to know that somebody has panicked and googled synonym yeah because i've been in that position myself it happens <laughs> it does it it's happening more recently because i'm like completely out of it like just mentally gone sure like well oh, mad but i do think Norman fucking Rockwell should be on the list. And I think it's on the grounds of not only is it a stronger album, but I do think as well that it's kind of broader in terms of what it achieves genre wise, feels a bit more art pop, feels a bit, you know, it still has that Americana charm to it, not necessarily folk, but it does have that sort of core baroque period that kind of Lana is well known for.
1: For sure. I mean, I think it is the, ultimate like result if you take lana take the identity the soul of lana del rey and put it to this elevated the highest level as possible i think you get something like norman fucking rockwell i think it's a brilliant album um definitely should be on that list i am curious about like this might be a really stupid question Mm -hmm. obviously you're not from america and there's this deep americana connection to Mm -hmm. lana del rey right like i because i feel like when i listen to lana i can connect to that soul of an identity as an american as a dirty american right so like (laughs) does how does that like relationship play to someone outside of america do you like
0: it's yeah no it's a very good question um i feel like regardless of how much i know about lana del rey there's never going to be that point of i truly understand it Mm. because even if you get the broad message, there are there are colloquialisms, there are little inferences that might make more sense to somebody from the area or the country. But it's it's those bits I really enjoy because it's like oh that that is smart. You you can acknowledge that it's smart, but you know you don't really understand it. I feel like that's why yard act in America hasn't really taken off. You know that that was the whole yeah. British thing. It's like oh big in America is like the next step. But for me, being big in America, I mean it's like you look at the likes of Blur or more recently Inhaler, where it's You've either got to sacrifice a lot of the substance of your kind of roots to get to that point, or you've got to have a really good track. It's more than likely the latter than the former. Um, but, you know, people have done it. I, I think the point of Lana Del Rey for me is kind of, it's the same for Phoebe Bridges. I think they've managed to acknowledge that the the, the bulk of the message is not broad, but the specifics of it are understandable universally. I think you can just jump in. Where it sort of is difficult for me is because you know I don't really know what Yozamite is, for instance. Um, stuff like the next and best American record, for instance, from obviously Norman Rockwell. It's it's a good song, but obviously it's like quintessentially American. I feel like the best example I can give is all of those kind of coming of age American movies, kind of like you know Me, Earl and the Dying Girl, Perks of Being a Wallflower. I look at that and think I are people really growing up like that in america because when we have like our coming of age films which are mainly i daniel blake and uh, the firm where gary oldman beats people up you know that's it, it's the difference of culture but it's it's kind of like a glimpse in an artist's responsibility for fans overseas is to give listeners an experience a window of opportunity to look into their part of culture. See. I think Lana Del Rey is incredible at that. I think she's really strong at kind of again. Phoebe Bridges is very good at that, and I think Taylor Swift is more of a broader pop artist that's sure. made the charts because just that's a popularity that won't fade unless she like I don't know beats a cat to death. You know that's not going anywhere. You know yeah. unless Taylor Swift is spotted like with a club, <laughs> that's fine. That's safe. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is like I mean, let me flip it on, on your end. You, British artists, for instance, is that is that the same experience for you? Where if you listen, I don't really know what British artists are popular in America. I
1: maybe none. I feel like I can relate this to my experience. I'm happy you brought it by Daniel Blake, because, like, Ken Loach, specifically, is an artist. And I'm sure your audience for your music podcast is really going to love this reference. But, like, I feel like I watch him. And, like, again, so I feel like your explanation, I'm very similar if I explain my experience with Ken Loach. is like, oh, I can understand it. Like, I get it. The base emotions are there on, like, a human level. But there's this undeniable identity that I cannot, like it's not my life right it's not my identity yeah. and it just creates a very complex relationship but it still like works obviously yeah, so yeah. i think like i would compare lana del rey and ken loach which is a very straight <laughs> i don't think anyone's ever made that comparison before <laughs> but
0: that's my, what i'm doing today lana del rey is the ken loach of music <laughs> but i do think that's it's, it's what you said there the complex relationship I think ultimately, right at the core of that, re- whether or not it's a simple relationship or a complex relationship with an artist, as long as there is a respect going either way, it's so much easier to engage with their experiences, engage with the thought because regardless of how sort of generic a song sounds it is immediately somewhere deep down a personal experience. And I feel like there are artists like Lana Del Rey I feel like Leonard Cohen's a good example as well, where his early works were kind of you know, I, love, I, I think, you know what, better than that, LCD sound system. I could listen to New York, I Love You, and Daft Punk is playing at my house over and over again because there's a respect there from the artist to say, this is what we do here, and he doesn't convolute it. He doesn't make it feel like an experience that everybody must have. It's just a part of life that is every day over there that they've experienced, that they've engaged with. I, Daniel Blake, for me, it's like I live near the city that was filmed, so it's obviously very deep connections to that and then the follow-up film as well it's, I, I feel like there's artists where they make the understanding of the location, of the subtext, of the colloquialisms, of that quality really easy to engage with, even if there isn't like a an actual, oh I've literally been there, you can feel like you're there through the, the work that's the, that's the sign of a good work and I think Lana Del Rey, regardless of the album she's on manages that because it's at the core of her thinking when she's writing, she's writing it as, well, this is my experience. How do I give that to people? Not even just in the UK or France or the Europe, but it's just sort of in general of a kind of, this is what I'm experiencing. This is how we can give it to an audience, domestic or overseas. And I think that's really part of her quality, part of her charm. It's, I'm glad to see her on the list. Um, yeah, There would have been hell on if she wasn't on. Yeah, I feel like that would have just been difficult to manoeuvre. Um, but yeah I would yeah. love to
1: hear their blurb for their justification because I think like oh. it just must have been something incredibly personal to like the person creating the list right like I yeah. and that's also like So that's what I love about, like, media, right? And, like, I focus mainly on film. But, like, that is – you mentioned your journey as a critic. That's, like, you know, continually some days it's just, like, oh, why am I a critic? Why do I do this? But then you find that piece of media that you feel like you relate to the artist and you're connected in that way. And it's like, oh, I get it because I have to say this because, like, that's the power of art, right? And I feel like it's really a shame that so much art – is like, or so many people, generations, whatever you want to say, like, is losing that connection, the power of that connection and understanding that. Cause, like, that's the purpose. And I think that's what makes Lana beautiful
0: in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's, you know, especially at a time now where, you know, do you know about the main skin pitchfork review? No. It's wonderful. Do you know main skin, the Italian rock band? I do not. So they got really popular through Eurovision and TikTok, which appears to be the, the way of funneling success at the moment. Um, and their album, their third album, dropped. And it's not good. It's, it's shit. It's awful. Um, I've had a lot of hate for my review on it. Pitchfork have had it about 100 times more than me, to the point where main skin fans are saying, you're bullying these Italians, in the process bullying the guy that wrote the review and i feel like that's the best part of being a critic is that we we are bullied because people think we're in a position of power almost of 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 being sort of the front line of defending or attacking an art in reality we if you're anything like me likely are sat in your pajamas half-heartedly writing a single review between football matches on the tv and getting distracted because you want to go to the pub there's Few artists that I can feel like a genuine connection to, if I would really die on this hill for them. I think Lana Del Rey is getting there for me. Like it's 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 a, it's a it's a private club. It's a private club. It's you know it's you know it's a private club. The country club's, <laughs> country club's hard to get into. Country <laughs> into. It is. It is. My country club is um you know it, it's you know it, if you pay me enough, you can get in. I don't really care. You know if you give me free gig tickets to a show, just tell me what to write and I'll do it. You know, I I am for sale. No, I'm not really. Just if anybody's questioning my credibility, I am. I enjoyed uh, Jarvis Cocker's solo debut more so than most releases from that year, which I think just torpedoes any chances of me ever getting invited to anything. But I feel like tangents are tangents and. And now we've, we've reached the past the 40-minute mark, which is good, because that was what I was waiting for. Anyway, we can plug our socials and go home now. Basically, that and was just we'll the watch. Lana
1: album. Our podcast was just yeah. the Lana album. We got 40 minutes. Okay, we did the songs. Let's go.
0: That's it. Just done. I feel like, because it's, you know, usually we look at the legacy. And it's hard to look at the legacy of an album that released two years ago. Right. Uh, the, <laughs> the only album I could think of that should be on the list, even though it released in 2021, is Sam Fender's 17 Going Under because I've never seen an artist release a second album, so soon after his first one, get a number one hit again even though the charts don't really matter, because the chart that's a whole other bonus episode which I'm not doing Um, Sam Fender went from kind of like, everybody knew him in the area where we're from to the man is touring and opening for Bruce Springsteen across Europe, and is also doing his own American shows headlining, to do that so quickly after the release of a second album, which is most of it is colloquial, most of it is about the area it was brought up and I live about a half hour away from it. To to see that on a grand stage must be the same experience people that grew up Neo or in the area of Lana del Rey did. It's it's seeing your hometown on a stage that is universally acknowledged and more than ever the Northeast and the UK is having that sort of explosion almost. And it's it's been quite amazing to see. I know I'm going to put it on the list when I get there unless I die. Um, So for now, I'll leave it to one side because I think Norman Norman fucking Rockwell should take place. Um, I don't want to take an artist off and then put them back on because I I have remembered I've taken Joan Byers off the list because her debut album is okay. Um, I will put it back on, probably. Um, But yes, Norman fucking Rockwell onto the list. Pull off Chemtrails. Go and listen to that if you kind of liked Blue Bannisters and you wanted a bit more, but you wanted a bit more filler with it as well. other than that, I think we're time to plug the socials, time to get ourselves sorted because I've just realized I read my spreadsheet, which to be honest, I obviously I was late because I had a meal. My can of coke exploded all over my notes. Um so I can't read what I've got to do after this podcast. Oh, no. I've written the num- <laughs> I've written the number three and Lyle Lyle crocodile. I don't know what that means. Okay, so um, you're
1: reviewing the single from Britney Spears three and Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Love to see it.
0: Honest honestly that is a pretty good guess. I'll just go with that. You know what? I'll tell you what. I'll do that. I reviewed Paris Hilton's new single. So, well, <laughs> why not? Me. I did Megan Trainor's new single. The um, the what's it? The Gucci ons, the Louis Vuittons. <laughs> Gucci, that one. Um, That's Louis. the one. Yeah, the Candy yeah. Crush song. <laughs> People listen to that. Like, actually, I love that. It's not a joke. Did you review the ABCDEF
1: uh, Grammy nominated best song album <laughs> or song?
0: No, I didn't. I, you know, I haven't looked at the Grammys apart from Wet Leg 1-2. <laughs> That'll do uh, it.
1: Yeah, would not recommend that one.
0: <laughs> do you want to plug your socials?
1: Yes. You can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, mainly film and television reviews, but I do tweet about music here and there. Um, and if you want my opinions on film every single week, check me out on ClapperCast at ClapperPodcast, where I review the newest in film and television with some friends. I don't know
0: if that picked up on the microphone, but I've just cracked both of them. Oh, I heard right it. Where my... Oh, did you? I thought it was your back. <laughs> no, that was my arms. <laughs> That's I'm going to so slowly funny. lower them. Um, you can find me on um, Twitter and Letterboxd at Yungle, It's going across the bottom of the screen. I point to the bottom of the screen. I'm worried I may have broken I'll do it for you. Them. I got awesome. it. Thank you. Um, you can get my work on Daily Star, cult following, uh, clapper technically i haven't written anything in ages for clapper because i'm a lazy bastard but you're part Um, of the
1: the clapper cast or the clapper family i am i'm
0: part of the family i've met uncle nick in italy (laughs) why did i call him that
1: and then you shit on his rock his favorite rock band his italian i
0: i'm pretty sure i'm banned from the country (laughs) i'll (laughs) I'll have to i'll have to bone ultimatum my way into the, the country of italy if i want to go back to venice on. What life we you day But yes, you can get right. me in all the places, usual places. And um I think next week's episode, because I'm I'm recording all of these in advance, so I can actually have a, a holiday at some time off. What's that? Some some time to rest because my hair is falling out. What? Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Hashtag slay and all that. Uh, the next episode's Beach Boys Today. And I'm joined by Uncle Nick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You'd love to see it.
0: Oh, fantastic. The stars have aligned, as they say. I don't know who they is, but they certainly see it. And I will leave you with that nugget of wisdom. Bye-bye. I don't know when to stop it because I'm trying to sync up the audio. Yeah, if we wave, if we hold oh. our hands like that, and then...